Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Now, you guys know, if you listened on Monday's show, that I was very excited about how the WNBA season started on last Friday, uh, but Tuesday... <laughs> Shook us back into the regression we needed. Uh, I rode with the favorites in that. The Aces and the Lynx. Uh, Aces were five-point favorites. The Lynx were four-point favorites. And neither team covered or won. Keep that in mind. So the Mystics took down the Aces. And the Fever got their first win over the Lynx. So uh, the betting giveth and the betting taketh away, unfortunately. Uh, but we'll keep on cranking on these as we keep going in. Again, just a couple games into the season here. 36 games in the season for the WNBA. In today's show... MLB action. We're going to have the lovely Ben Wilson on the show. He is a play-by-play -play host. He does just about every sport. And he also hosts, or at least co-hosts, when he has the time, the Run Line show on VSIN, a baseball betting show on Sunday. So he'll be here to give us his thoughts on the Dodgers and the Angels. Dodgers are at the Pirates very early in the morning. So you may have already slept through that game, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But the Dodgers did beat the Pirates 11-1 to on Tuesday. That Dodgers Run Line continues to cash as no no surprise that it is still at minus money most of the time. Not even getting plus money on the run line with the Dodgers. The Angels, meanwhile, also cleaned up on Tuesday. They had the Tampa Bay Rays and beat them 12-0. to They'll host the Rays in the evening on Wednesday. So we'll get Ben's thoughts on that. And Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, both at the top of the leaderboard for the MVP candidacy. We'll see what his thoughts are on that. Also, of course, Wednesday action in the WNBA. Three games going on. We'll talk about it all. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. In the MLB, the Dodgers still minus 275 to win the National League West, plus 215 to win the National League. That moved just slightly in the last week or so. And the World Series, plus 475 for the Dodgers, the top choice there. Like I said, Wednesday, 9.35 a.m. Pacific time, Dodgers Pirates and the Dodgers the clear overwhelming favorite here. No surprise. Well over minus 200 here. And the total for this one's going to have seven and a half or so. Uh, so was interesting to see them go over that total, obviously, in game one. We'll see how it pans out for them in game two. As for the Angels, plus 245 to win the AL West, 9-1 to one to win the American League, and 25-1 to one to win the World Series. They're back in action Wednesday night, 7 p.m., Angels and Rays. Uh, and the Angels are favored here, minus 121 on the money line. Rays plus 104. Uh, and then the Rays minus 1.5 here is plus 175. And the Angels plus one and a half is two minus two twenty. So uh, 
like I said, Angels killed it on the first game on Tuesday, 12 to zero win. We'll see what they can do on Wednesday. Also in the WNBA, the LA Sparks 25 to one to win the championship. Not a terrible bet. Not a terrible bet the way that they've come out of the gates. Obviously, two games in here. They play again on Wednesday. We'll talk about that game later. But 2-0 to start the season. They look like a whole new team with Liz Cambage added. Jordan Canada, 25-1. to I don't think it'll last that long. You might want to take a look at it. Let's talk about the NHL real quick, too. The NHL odds, because it is hockey playoff time, by the way. And BetRivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the playoffs, place three same-game parlays of $10 or more on each round and receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. Think of it as a betting hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with same-game parlays on the BetRivers app or at BetRivers.com. And if we take a look at this series, Kings and Oilers, uh, it's kind of been... An ovary series, at least this last game on Tuesday was, and the Kings get it done in overtime, five to four, knocking the Oilers down, taking the series lead three to two. So they can close it out on Thursday in game six. That one starts at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And the Oilers have to come to the Kings for that one. The Kings won two on the road. Great job. That I mean, actually, kind of their specialty. We talked about how solid they are on the road. So getting it done in overtime on Tuesday, game six on Thursday, they could shut it out or uh, or close it out, rather, and they could also push it to Saturday as well for that game seven. Like I said, Kings lead the series three to two, and for Thursday's game, the Oilers are minus 141 on the money line. Kings plus 120, and the Goals for this total goal scored at six and a half is the number. Also, if you're interested in the series price, Kings to win the series is minus 200. The Oilers to win the series right now, plus 165. You can find all these odds and more at Bet River Sportsbook. Well, let's welcome in Ben Wilson, host of the run line on VEASAN and also play-by-play extraordinaire. Ben, uh, welcome to the show. Tell people what, what are all the things you have going on right now because you're very hard to schedule. <laughs> Daniel, come on. Don't, let's not. Let's be real here, okay? I'm not that hard to schedule. I would drop anything to come on the Los Angeles City cast for you, Daniel. Of course. Let's, let's be real here. I will, like, right now, I'm doing arena football, which has been – it's weird doing football in the spring, but uh, traveling for that uh, pretty much every week. And then we've got um, a lot of, like, college baseball here. Playoffs are coming up, so I'm doing games for ESPN+. Plus. Um, those are kind of my play-by-play assignments right now. And then the run line, it's VEASAN, uh, newest baseball-specific betting show, doing that with Adam Burke and Josh Towers once a week, which has been really fun. I love baseball, as you know, and I'm watching baseball every day when I'm not doing these other arena football or other play-by-play stuff. So it's cool for us to like get an actual two-hour dedicated window to actually do super nerdy deep-dive stuff. Um, I, I, will pre- I will give you the challenge to sit down and actually watch our full show because it's like Ultimate Nerd Fest 101. But if you- oh, I've, I've watched. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm, I'm, it makes me feel good. <laughs> I did watch. I watched this the week that you were not there. So to oh, be fair, I was. Okay. I did watch. I, I didn't catch up on this week's just yet. Um, <clears throat> but no, it's it's good stuff. So yeah, run line on Sundays on Vston. Now, what's your favorite sport to do play by play for? Because you've done it all. You've done football. You've done basketball. You're doing baseball now. Yeah, basketball for me. I, and look, yeah. everybody. I mean, basketball, football are my two favorites. And at least for me, um, being like when you're courtside. And just the flow of basketball, the way it's so like up and down and back and forth. I've always just, at least personally, like I've always had the most fun getting into, and I found it the easiest, just get to in a rhythm and a cadence with calling basketball just in general. Um, and it's it, like, there's a lot of little selfish things that makes it a little bit easier where A, you're courtside, B, there's not a helmet on and padding on every <laughs> player. So you can actually see who the people are and you're not yes. like stressed constantly about identifying <laughs> the right person. Um, and then the prep, you know, there's whatever, 12, 15 players per team makes it a little little, uh, little easier than the 9,500 player rosters in, uh, in college football. So, I, look, I, I love that. I think you just made all the fans feel better about when they can't recognize a player. Yeah. It's like, oh, good, the play-by-play guy's worried about it, too. And Well, and think about a lot of, a lot of football stadiums you're doing games from, you're, like, approximately 1.8 miles above uh, the, the field. And you have – Is that it? Uh, roughly. You have you – know, <laughs> Got to get the binocs out, trying to figure out, like, <laughs> who are these people? So I love basketball. Um, it was a lot of fun. I didn't get to see your Bruins at all this year. I, I did uh, had a few uh, Pac-12 teams for FS1, which was uh, a lot of fun. I will keep the fingers crossed, hoping to see UCLA next year. But we'll, well, hopefully we, yeah, we can will it into well. existence. Yeah. 
Me as well. I hope we see. I hope we see you there. Obviously, I get to go to most or all of the men's home games last year, so that was a lot of fun. So UCLA returning a lot of players too. So something that's exciting. Unfortunately, though, when you are doing play by play, I'm guessing you are not allowed to bet on the games. You are. You are play by playing. You are not. Well, look, you're not supposed to. Um, <laughs> what's funny is so in the so I, or in indoor football is technically the league. It's the IFL. It's the new mm. version of uh, of arena football. The AFL folded back in in 2019. There are actually books in, in Vegas now that the, the Nighthawks, which is the Vegas team that's in a, a new expansion team, they're actually putting out lines, which is fascinating. And, and, our, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a minor league for football. So right. And the team is actually – it's one of those interesting things where, like, it's a pro sports team in Vegas. There's now – and as you know this with, with the Aces now here, the Raiders now here, there is a lot of competition now for eyeballs. And the Nighthawks team that I, I call the games for – they're under the Foley Entertainment Group ownership, which is the, the, the Golden Knights ownership here in Las Vegas. So mm. they've and they've actually embraced the, the betting angle of it. Like they're they wanted these books to start putting out lines just because you know, it gives some gives people a little bit more knowledge and something to bet on. Uh, what's funny is like I've been telling the the coach uh, Mike Davis, who's their coach and GM, what the lines are each week. Uh, he's actually I, he's a Veasan fan. Like he actually listens to Veasan, <laughs> which I, I didn't I didn't realize I didn't know. Um, and I'll, so I'll tell him the lines, and I'm like. I had this idea a couple weeks ago. I, I said, hey, coach, why don't you just, like, your players probably aren't on their Will Hill apps, like, checking the, you know, checking the lines. Why don't you just t go in the locker room and say, guys, we're 14 and a half point dogs tonight, all right? Nobody <laughs> believes us. Just, I'm like, just make up the spread. Who cares if it's wrong? Just get the nobody believes <laughs> the spread going. And he was like, actually, that's not a bad idea. So uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted on whether – I told the players, I was like, hey, I told a couple of them, like, hey, let, if, if coach starts – just talking about spreads in the locker room, like, let me know. I want to know if I if I had an impact on the the newest pro sports team <laughs> franchise in Vegas uh, on, on their motivation. But uh, we'll, we'll see. it's been fun so far. They're three and five, uh, but the betting has been eh, it's been a, it's been a thing here, which is fun. Yeah, play by play and reporting, getting in on the ground floor here, Ben. And I love that he watches Vison, the Sports Betting Network, obviously. Of course. Um, let's let's get into baseball. That is what what I need you most for today. Your expertise, of course, because that is definitely not my area of expertise. Uh, the Dodgers, though, make it tremendously easy to bet on because uh, they're killing it on the run line. They're obviously it's hilarious to even bet the money line yeah. because you have to pay. Minus 200 plus usually to do this. They're playing the Pirates on Wednesday again. They've beaten them 17 of their last 18 times they've played them. So the Dodgers in some ways easy to bet because they cover that run line like nobody's business. But in other ways, so much juice. So what, what have you thought about the Dodgers so far this season? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm When I look at them, first from a future standpoint, you're kind of – I've always felt like there's one of two trains of thought to be in with L.A. It's either – you're in on them from the preseason just because you know the Dodgers are going to be in the conversation when we get to October. And even though it's a short price, you just feel obligated to have that as part of your portfolio. You're either in that kind of frame of mind or you just stay away from them altogether. And it's like, you know, it, it's hard to get excited about a team when they're every single season like a four and a half or five to one short shot to win the World Series or they're whatever where they're at right now, plus 240, 250 to win the NL pennant. And what's mm -hmm. hard too is betting them on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, yeah, the, I mean, the money lines, sure they they're they're going to be jacked up, and it puts you in a spot where you can win a lot of series if you're the Dodgers, and if you're betting on them blindly every day, you're losing money. That was the case last year. They win 106 games, and the ROI was basic. You know, depending on the lines, was essentially a, a net zero or a slight loss last year. And when you you know when you're minus two twenty, two thirty every day, that's what happens. So I I'm at the standpoint that. The books in general have the Dodgers pretty active, pretty um, accurately rated as a whole. I mean, you have the seventh best hitting offense from WRC Plus. You have the best team ERA. Their xFIP is a little lower at fifth overall, uh, but still, this is a really solid team on uh, at the plate on the mound. And you're just not going to have value, much value betting them day to day. I look for them on like in game is where I look to attack uh, the Dodgers from a, a betting standpoint because, especially when they face teams who. Like when they have pitchers that they're going up against who struggle their second time through the order, we've seen this become a trend in baseball where, and you'd expect this, Danielle, like you don't need to know much about baseball to understand like the first time through the order as a pitcher, you're going to have much more success yeah. than the second time just because guys make adjustments, they see you. There are certain pitchers, though, that have, especially now in today's day and age of baseball, where you see more and more pitchers only go four or five innings and, and aren't really allowed to be stretched out. You see a lot more situations where you have you have pitchers who are like say a 270 ERA the first time through the order, and then just balloon to like a six the second time through the order, 
And I've looked at some of these in-game stats. It's funny, on Sunday night, the last run line show we did, that was the Dodgers playing the Cubs on Sunday night baseball. And they're, you know, they're, again, them. again, but Dodgers, huge favorites. Like, why would you want to get involved and bet them, you know, money line pregame? It was whatever, minus 210. They come out, they're down one nothing in the fourth. And I remember sitting on the, on the air with Adam Burke, and it's like they get, you know, second time through the order, they get a couple men on. They're facing a pitcher, Justin Steele, who it, everything I just laid out, the example I'm thinking of because of him. He was, you know, 270 ERA first time through the order, well over five his second time, started to labor. I'm sitting there with Adam. I'm like, Dodgers minus, like they're minus 120 live, and you're down 1-0. You're in the fourth inning, two on, one out, and a pitcher who you know isn't going to go deep against a bullpen that you know is not good. Don't, like those are my angles where I'm looking to bet the Dodgers, uh, at least when I'm going to bet on them. Against them, Daniel, I'm looking at like there are series where they've they've kind of they, they sort of laid eggs against some of these bad teams. The the Clayton Kershaw, Rockies. yeah, the, well the Clayton Kershaw, um, yeah. the strikeout record game against the Tigers, mm-hmm. where they were insane favorites, and basically everybody on the Dodgers looked like they were just there to like they just wanted to buy a ticket just to watch Kershaw. They had no interest in actually playing baseball that night. <laughs> uh, and the first game of the Pirates series is a good example as well, where they just came out and didn't even show up. So. I, I look to fade them in spots where, say, they're coming off a big intradivision series and they're facing a, a terrible team, whether that's home or on the road. Those are the times where I'm where I'm going to be looking to take stabs on on opposing teams against them, assuming it is not your Walker, Bueller, Clayton Kershaw uh, on the mound. So that's kind of my Dodgers. Those are my Dodgers thoughts in a nutshell, Daniel. Okay, I have questions. So first of all, I think Adam Burke has lined up with you on that as well because when I've had him on, we've talked about how the Dodgers in some ways almost remind us of like a Lakers team where they're so good that against the not-so-good teams, the games they know that they don't necessarily have to win, they have to beat those division opponents, right? Then maybe you're not going to rely on them as much as you would on other nights. So it kind of seems like maybe there's less motivation in those games against the lesser teams. Um, But to your point, Bueller or uh, Kershaw, what have you thought about Julio Urias so far this season? Yeah, it's interesting. A guy who wins 20 games last year, and yet we didn't really talk about him that much from the awards betting standpoint, just because I think the way now we you know we view top pitchers, it's no longer wins. It's I remember Jacob deGrom won NL Science a couple of years ago with a sub-500 record. Uh, it's more about advanced numbers and strikeout rates and how deep you go mm-hmm. in games. And Urias, we talked about that uh, that Pirates game, was uh, was roughed up against one of the worst offenses in baseball the other, other day. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see, like, and he's always been a guy who I've worried a little about, a little bit about, just from the longevity standpoint, and from the the perspective of they've yeah, they've always been really, really cautious with him. They've never wanted to uh, to really let him go. And I I got the sense from like the way his season played out last year, where they it was really the first sign that David Roberts showed us that he had some trust in, in at least letting him go and not being super, super conservative with their usage on Urias, and he, he goes 20-3, and three, I would say that's a, that's a pretty good reason to want to let a guy uh, you know, go, go longer and deeper into games. But, but this year now, you've, you've seen, and I mean, the numbers reflect this, where they've, I mean, pretty obvious, they've come out and they're like, okay, this guy won, won 120 games, he's in the middle of our rotation, we know Clayton Kershaw is going to be somewhat limited to start the season. Now, we know that especially... Uh, with with some of the the lack of other arms that we thought we might have, uh, the he who will not be named, who was probably never going to pitch in the big leagues anymore, not on the roster, amen, and, and not uh, yeah, and not leading that that <laughs> rotation. There were a lot of things I think that the dot as, as loaded as the Dodgers are year in year and year out. Th- this is actually a rotation that was probably not as deep as as Dave Roberts and a lot of people in the front office thought, just kind of projecting out from you know at this time last year what they were going to get. So. Urias is going to have to fight to that. The guy's still I mean, incredibly tremendous stuff, super talented. But we've seen it already, Daniel. There have been some rocky starts. I, I'm of the camp of, especially with how the Dodgers are priced, kind of how we just talked about on a day-to-day basis, I'm probably laying off like his next couple of starts. Like I just want to watch, mm-hmm. see him work through some of this stuff. Uh, and, and there might be a point, though, where you start seeing these, these lines come down a little bit on him, and, and that could be a point to – to maybe buy low where you're, you're not having to pay such a premium on the Dodgers. Because at the end of the day, the stuff is still there. It's all about the usage, right. the workload, his ability to adjust in season now that they're letting him go a little bit longer. Right. What are, you, what are your takes on pitchers we haven't seen yet? Because I'm seeing that on Wednesday, Dodgers-Pirates, Ryan Pepiot, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, a right-handed pitcher for the Dodgers who I haven't seen yet. So is, do you tend uh, to fade pitchers like that? I mean, it's they're still playing the it's, Pirates. Well, it's, so. it's funny. Uh, I have no idea if you're saying his name right or, or wrong because <laughs> he is making his Major League debut on Wednesday. Okay, so do we do we so, fade him even though they're playing the Pirates? Uh, look, this, or is there a way to do this? It's going to be a bullpen game. Uh, the, okay. So the issue, normally I would say in spots like these, these are, would be prime over spots where 
uh, where you figure, all right, you're going to get a, a ton of arms thrown out. And look, for both sides, you're, you're, and Pittsburgh has not declared an official starter yet either. So we, we would, you would assume that will be the case. However, this is a, a getaway day game. This is a very, very early start. It'll be 8.35 a.m. for us here on the West Coast. Dodgers are <laughs> they're, they're trying to get the hell out of there. And, and the thing is, they, I mean, they absolutely obliterated uh, Pittsburgh pitching um, on, on the Tuesday night game. Put up 11 runs. They, get, yeah. uh, they didn't really have to go deep into the bullpen. And it's, it's probably one I will stay off of. Like, when you're thinking about, again, it, this, this might be, like, had, if the Pirates had, like, a legit, a more legitimate ace. I mean, they really don't have anybody. JT Brubaker was the guy that you thought maybe could make a leap this year, and he's pitched to win your mm -hmm. 70 RA. If this was a spot where you had, like, guy making his big league debut in a bullpen game against, say, a pseudo ace for Pittsburgh, this this actually might be a spot where I'd say, all right, look, you might get, you're, you're going to get the Dodgers at a super, super deflated number, maybe take a stab. There's no way I can endorse that. Look, Danielle, every team plays 162 <laughs> games, Okay. <laughs> That's thirty teams. That's a that's, that's, a, that's several thousand uh, games a year. That's so many. You don't need to you don't need to bet on every game. You don't need to bet on Ryan uh, Pepio if that's if we're, if we're going to go Louisiana pronunciation here. I'm just thinking of like Ryan Terrio, Mike Fontenot. I don't know if that's how it is. I was counting on you to know you're the play by play guy. I no, I am. I I mean, I'm just saying. Like, look, I default to your phonetics he was here. It, okay, I and I pride myself on on proper pronunciation. <laughs> uh, third, like he was their third round pick a, a few years ago. Uh, I. I Look, he was a non-roster invitee in, in spring training. He's at least had some time uh, with, at the big league level and you know, in the clubhouse in spring training. But, I mean, even even for a team like the Dodgers and even with a guy who has been in their pipeline for a couple of years, who's been a really fast riser to the minors, and he's had I mean, he's had really good numbers uh, in the minor leagues so far, 2-0, uh, strikeout rate over 12 in their AAA system this year. Even having said all that, with the fact that it's uh, like this great organization and a great infrastructure and a really top prospect, it's still hard for me to trust a guy in his big league debut, even in a game against a god-awful hitting team in the Pirates. But maybe an uh, over. But maybe, yeah, but maybe an over. What about like a first inning yes run? You wow, you, you really want something. You I know, went there. You really want something out of me here. This is the LA City cast. People want action, Ben. People do. You're right. People want action. There's, no, you know, there's nothing better than waking up at 8 a.m. on the West Coast and being like, you know what? I'm going to fire Just on to yes. watch the first inning. Yes back first. to sleep. Okay, you sucker me in. I... <laughs> I will, I will, you know what, I actually, and I'll be curious when this line actually comes out for the first inning, uh, because you will probably see this number, because it's the, be, like, because it is the Pirates hitting-wise, and because yeah. it's, that the whole narrative, it's like, all right, Dodgers, you know, sleepy, day game, just trying to get the hell out of there. You might see a, a more even number on the yes, you know, yes versus no for first run inning, uh, for, mm. yeah, for run first inning, and just because, like, all right, the Pirates suck at the plate, they, whatever, they scored one run the other day. And the Dodgers just you know scored 11. They're probably going to sit most of their starters. It's, it, I would imagine the lineup is going to be uh, at least by Dodgers standards not up, not close to 100. percent So you might actually have a number where it's it's more like a you know like pick them or or uh, or even even money where you say all right not juiced on the no right and you say yeah and you say well I'm saying on the yes I'm saying like two score run oh yeah because the narrative is going to be all right Pirates can't hit Dodgers are arresting a bunch of guys but. Keep in mind, this is going to be a guy making his big league debut is going to be nervous as all heck. And then we don't really know, probably an open or some sort of reliever for the Pirates. I would actually say yes, uh, just because you're going to have a, a much more reduced price than you would normally get. Uh, and, That's and again, all I wanted. I, I, I just wanted a guess run for sending out of that. It, it only took us like 15 minutes to get there, but I gave you a pick, Danielle. Yes. Uh, I like your idea of it of being kind of ovary though as well. Even yeah. even in the first even in the first five or something like that. But again, uh, great advice by Ben Wilson. You don't have to bet every game. I love Let's talk about the other game. You're always you're <laughs> always 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 immediate reaction. Always whatever I can get to cash right away. Uh, let's talk about the Angels, too. Angels and Rays going on on Wednesday as well. We have Shane McClanahan on the mound for the Rays. And Shohei Otani for the Angels. I know you have some Shohei thoughts. Oh, do I have Shohei thoughts? Uh, and look, he's so he's down to three, three and a half to one now to win AL MVP. It, it's interesting how since he won that award last year, Danielle, it seems like that's, what, that's the award everybody wants to talk about with Shohei this season. And mm -hmm. when you look at his numbers last year, Obviously, partly the reason he won the award was because he stayed healthy the whole season, and we had never seen a player do that where he was a, like a really solid pitcher and also, I mean, hitting for power at, at the plate. What's interesting this year is his hitting numbers are, are pretty poor. I mean, you think you look at a lot of his contact rates and and just in general, he's striking out a ton, sub 240 average. You know, when he's making contact, he is hitting for power, but he certainly seems to be selling out for power more this year. What's really jumping out to me though is is the pitching. 
that mm. was that was the weakness of his game last year, and like the the hitting carried his candidacy towards the MVP. But the pitching is what's really been his strength this year. You look at what he's done to his arsenal. So he's he's added a lot more uh, velocity and movement to his slider. He's he's averaged about two and a half three miles an hour more this year on on his slider, and he's getting a ton of swings and misses as a result. I I always like looking at just to get an idea of how like how nasty a guy's raw stuff is. If you look at a guy's percentage of called plus swinging strikes, that's really a good indication of, okay, on average, like how much is, is a pitcher really fooling these hitters? Otani last year was about 28% as far as the combined number. Like 28% of his pitches were either called strikes or swinging strikes. This year he's at 38%. He's, he's got up 10% there. He's striking out over 14 batters per nine, which is and he's, he's got a near 40% K rate, career low walk rate. So everything about his pitching has, has clearly gone up another level. And yet, I mean, he's what? Basically a 500 record, around a three ERA, which is, is fine. But he's actually, I mean, when you look at the advanced numbers, Daniel, he's getting unlucky. A batting average on balls in play, well over 300. You expect that to come down. The, the normal average is around 285, 290. So he's been unlucky on the balls that have been put in play, finding gaps going down for hits. And as a result, his expected the field independent pitching, both the XFIP and the FIP, they're right around 150. So he's, even, he's been getting unlucky. And that's for a guy who's already striking out 14 for nine and a guy who's already getting like a swing and miss rate plus called strike rate at near 40%. My point in saying all that, Danielle, is he's 10 to 1 to an AL Cy Young. This award market is absolutely wide open this year. I, like, do you, like, do you know who the favorite right now is? To he's play? 11 to 1 on Bat Rivers, and he's oh. plus 275 to win the MVP, obviously the short shot. So if you want to take a stab at something and get some value on Shohei, it's definitely yeah. the 11 to 1. Okay, so you're cheating because you're watching, you're looking at the odds right now. But would you have known that that uh, that Justin Verlander was the favorite? Like, would you have guessed? I'm not, I'm looking, I'm not looking at those. I just know that he's 11 to 1. I, I don't know what the oh. other ones are. Well, now, now I feel like an idiot because I just, I was going to set you up for trip. <laughs> what's, what's Verlander at? Is he, he's much shorter? 6 to 1. Yeah, Verlander's the favorite. And, that's a great story. Like he's 39, he hasn't pitched really in two years, and he's you know, three and one sub two ERA to start. But can you really trust the longevity with you know, with a guy like that? I know that you know, the media narratives and when you handicap awards, that that's part of it. But if you look at the guys on on that odds board, it's a ton of the, like youngsters who have come out of nowhere. Logan Gilbert, who I like, who I love, who's sitting also in that 10, 12 to one range. Uh, like mm. Garrett Cole is kind of always a presumptive favorite. I got Logan Gilbert here, 20 to one. Whoa. Uh, I would throw Bat Rivers. I, look at you. That, I would throw. Ben. I would throw a stab on Logan Gilbert. I twenty to one. Okay. I have a huge man crush on Logan Gilbert's baseball pitching acumen. The guy, he's unreal. Uh, I may or may not have invested in him in fantasy and like a lot of different fantasy baseball. Uh, not so you're in. Of, you're in on. I'm him. in on Logan Gilbert. But the point of this being is like there are a lot of guys that are are completely. In the mix here, I, I think Kevin Gausman is your second favorite right now. Really nice start for him with the Blue Jays. Uh, that would, I mean, if I was making the line right now, like just on my expectations of staying healthy and, and everything like that, I would probably make Gausman the favorite. I just, I love uh, Verlander. He's awesome. He's, you know, he's, he's a stud, a great career. I just don't know if that's going to hold up, especially when you're near 40 uh, all season. And, and will he avoid an injured list stint? I, I just don't know. It's, it's hard for me to say that for sure. Uh, but this is a long. It's way so hard because we Otani. we we just think of Shohei as an MVP candidate. I feel like because he does both things, so it just we don't think about him getting that pitching award. Yeah, and I right, and I think as a result too, his value gets. I mean, the number gets depressed a little bit, where people are like, "All right, why would I want to? Like, why would you really want to invest in that?" He's obviously if he's if he's doing both and he's staying healthy, it, it makes logical sense for him to win that award. But I mean, if he if he's hitting, you know, he goes through a season and now nah, look, he's going to get he'll hit thirty home runs, but. If if he's striking out a ton and he's really not like he's not really getting them them much outside of you know the the raw isolated power, mm -hmm. you know you can make a case like where is his actual where is the actual value there and it also depends too like where, you know where where do the Angels go here as a team they've been it's been off to a great start I would how do they have uh, the top yeah. two MVP candidates in the AL and be where they're at I mean Mike Trout's four to one here too yeah well and I would say <laughs> it's funny like it, that's what's weird I don't. It's hard for me to envision a world in which, like, like could you see a, a scenario where where Shohei, especially given that Trout has come, you know, comes back off a major injury, that's kind of why I think, okay, like, is there a world in which Angels say they make the playoffs, Trout wins MVP, and then Otani wins Cy Young? Like, I, that's totally. I see it. That's it's possible. That's a, that's much more realistic to me than, like, if Trout continues to do doing what he's doing, and putting up his huge numbers, and Otani continues to be. Like a, a really huge asset on the mound, but 
And I mean, look, he's going to have moments like he had the other day where he you know, hit, hits a, you know, hit a you know, whatever, first, second inning grand slam, and you're just <laughs> like, all right, this guy's really, really good at baseball. I don't know. It just it makes it would make a lot more sense. I also don't, you know, at least for those two outcomes to happen. I'm just not that bullish on on the Angels sustaining this. Like they're the rest of their pitching outside of Otani. They I well, mean, so that's uh, it's, that's my question about the game Wednesday because we talk about Shane McClanahan too, who's 14 to one. He's right behind Shohei Otani at 11 to one on Bat Rivers, and they're going to go head to head here. And so I'm thinking under in this game, of course. Yeah. But the issue with the Angels has been those six, seven, eight, nine innings. All of a sudden, either the Angels will score a ton of runs on their opponent or the other way around. And so it's been a little bit tough to bet any kind of total with them. Right. And that's well, so for this game, I would be looking first five under only. And yeah. it's it's not just because of that. But you're and you're right. The bullpen is, has been rough. And mm -hmm. I would just, in, from a general you know, Angels team sense, a lot of their other starters, like Noah Syndergaard getting insanely lucky with his advanced numbers so far, Patrick Sandoval, like, guys that I, I like, but they're, they're way, they're vastly over pitching expectations. Same can be said for the bullpen too. But on the McClanahan piece, like a guy who's awesome, it's the, and I, I wanted to endorse him for like, you know, take a flyer on him for Cy Young as well. It's just Kevin Cash, they, they don't let him go deep. He's, he's got electric stuff. Yeah. He, he's so good. Like large strikeout rate does not allow a ton of hard contact, but you're you're stunned every time you look up and he's in the game in the sixth inning. It like it just doesn't happen. And I mean, I like I gave up on him in, in fan for fantasy purposes just because, like in you know in a roto game where you need quality starts and you need innings, like he just wasn't giving him to me, even though his counting numbers are great. And I, like I expect to, I expect this to be one of those games. Yeah, that I, I wouldn't trust, especially with a, a total of seven juice to the under. I can't mm -hmm. really trust that give, you know, with the Angels bullpen and given to you know, like they're I mean the Rays have Rays have for as good as they are and as deep as they are pitching wise they still have a ton of guys on the shelf bullpen wise they're still trying to figure out a lot of things with uh, with, with how they've followed the order of operations when that starting pitcher goes out so uh, first five under that would be the way I'd uh, I I would look as well wouldn't hate uh, taking a look even a full game over it's at seven I don't hate that. Oh, the way that oh, they've been playing. So you're, you want to do the, the first five under? Yeah, game I want to bob and weave here. I realize, <laughs> I, I'm quickly I'm realizing, Danielle, one play per game is not enough for you, Danielle. No, we gotta, no, no, no. I, no but I was going to say, first five under, I would look, I would go uh, strikeout, little strikeout prop over on Otani. On Otani, okay. Jo on Shohei. We'll see what that is. I, if you're in Mark, so I know some markets have the out, you know what would be fascinating? The outs props. Like McCl mm. I would look in you know, McClanahan. McClanahan under his outs prop is very interesting. Uh, okay. You know what I and I don't. I'm not like in, I don't know what, what the actual math says on this. I'm not endorsing this. If you wanted, <laughs> if you were in a dis if jurisdiction that if you were able to parlay McClanahan strikeouts over to McClanahan outs recorded under, which on the surface seems like a soup, like it seems odd. Like why would you want to bet both of those things? But it's a guy who will he racks up a ton of strikeouts. Gets gets really high pitch counts and doesn't go deep into games. Those are weird. Like if you're really trying to go degen uh, on us, Danielle, and you want like multiple plays, and you can, always like, like, I honestly like he's he's the classic guy who can strike out nine and four to third and get yanked after 87 pitches in a nothing nothing game. That's that's just that's kind of who he's been in a nutshell. And I really like him. It's why it's hard for me. I really haven't been betting any Rays games full game when he's been pitching just because of that. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there, and I see that. And that's the kind of nitty-gritty baseball that we needed. Ben, before we let you go, uh, your Bucks are still alive. Oh, yeah. The series is tied up, and they're back in action Wednesday, right? Game five. Yeah. What do you What do you think we're going to see here? I think the Celtics are five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Uh, what are we going to see in game five from your Bucks? Yeah, I wish I could tell you what we're going to see. I, I, like, <laughs> I've had, I can't remember another playoff series where I've just had no interest at all in betting any side I, I I played under in game three over the weekend which was which stayed under and we finally had a little bit of regression totals has, has been more interesting to me and it's it, look without Chris Middleton it's pretty clear and you look at I mean I tests advanced numbers Celtics have a better net rating even even before game four they had a better net rating than the Bucks uh, and uh, it's it's you know as a Bucks fan, me being from you know, Milwaukee, it's it's whatever. You won the title. <laughs> Thank you for so explaining. I, Thank you for explaining. I just wanted to lay that out there. I'm not some bandwagon fan, Danielle. Okay, I'm an OG. <laughs> Been watching since the '90s. Uh, but no, like with with them having won the title last year, but and losing Chris Middleton, and like not having him in the rotation, we've seen as this series has gone deeper and deeper, those flaws be exposed a little bit. And like keep in mind, mm -hmm. Drew Holiday, he <laughs> what he did in Game Three. 30 shot attempts, basically guarding like every position at once. It was a, it was a superhuman effort, and you realized 
like how he's basically trying to you know, occupy two superstar positions at once. And the question, I, you know, the concern I had was, how can that possibly sustain itself over a seven-game series? We really saw that. I mean, in the he's fourth a Bruin. Quarter, what do you? I uh, mean, <laughs> are you he's saying, a UCLA guy. That's, some, that's what I some, expect. Is there Michael's like secret, you know, secret uh, formula? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yes? Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so you just automatically think Drew Holiday is gonna he's gonna find the Bruin in him and just you know, miraculously uh, be, yes, be even better. That's what in I mean. game five. I, I like the I like the thought. Like I love Drew Holiday. He's, Bucks Bucks plus five and a half. Do you like it or no? You want to stay away? There's no way I'm betting aside of this. I'm just not. I'm just not. <laughs> you can't. No I, emotional I can't. hedge either. No. Look, my my emotions are. I thought I would never see a title in my lifetime, and I got one. So now I'm happy. And I thought I would. Oh, so you're a well-adjusted fan. Well, all right. Okay. Well, I'll say this. I in my head, I was like, look, I'm I'm good. I'm. They could lose every game the rest of my life. I'll be happy. And I was I was totally. In, in that mental frame of mind, and then game four happened. And all of a sudden, I'm yelling at my TV, like, like, like Al Horford is really beating us? Are you kidding me? How could you possibly let this? And, and the, you know, the Boston, it's such an insufferable fan base, and I despise watching the Celtics win. But, like, really, this will come down to, like, the, the Horford-Robert Williams piece is probably going to be the difference, Daniel, if you're looking at right. Celtics. Horford, 30 points in that game. Yeah, Jeez. and the Celtics were out, were, I mean, the Bucks outscored them 2-1, uh, to one, basically, in, in points in the paint, you know, early on in that series, the first three games. Got whatever they wanted. No matter what, Celtics will not be able to slow down Giannis Adenokounmpo. You're just trying to get him Best into player right couple, now. you know, lim- limit him to a degree. But, it, it honestly, it's as simple as, what do the Celtics get out of the Horford Williams mm-hmm. combo on the interior. How much can they at least temporarily slow down Giannis, and how much can they be effective offensively? And for the Bucks, it's like, what are you getting out of the role, guys? It's it's kind of turned into like a you know the the whole Suns talk from last year. It's like it's kind of like role guy or bust. I mean, Grayson Allen and Pat yeah. and the wins have been exceptional. They've basically been uh, completely invisible in the losses, and it makes sense. Like when you watched in the fourth quarter, I mean, the, the Celtics just started triple teaming Giannis. Holiday was gassed. And it's like you have Wes Matthews, Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, Allen. Like, who else can actually step up and make a shot? I mean, nobody did anything in the fourth quarter of game four. And, and that's really, uh, to me, what will kind of decide whether this Bucks team travels and, uh, and is able to get uh, the series back on, on their home turf. Well, I'll root for your Bucks because I don't have a rooting interest in this. And I do think Boston's insufferable. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you great, so much. That's great medic to... advice, I realize. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you to Ben Wilson, uh, play-by-play extraordinaire. You can find him on VEASAN, on the run line, on Sundays. He's everywhere. Find him on Twitter at Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. Ben, thank you so much. DA, thank you for the invite. What an honor to come on. Uh, I appreciate it. We're going to have him back. You know we have to get into some more nitty-gritty baseball with him. But coming up, we have WNBA action we have to talk about. That and more coming up right here on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm Danielle Avari, and let's talk about the WNBA action going on on Wednesday, May 11th. Uh, catch you up real quick. Tuesday, there were two games as well. The Mystics beat the Aces as five-point underdogs, and the Fever beat the Lynx as four-point dogs. So Fever get their first win of the season. Lynx are now 0-3, so not a great start to the season for Sylvia Fowles' farewell tour, if you will. And the Mystics surprising me i was on the aces i heard that natasha cloud was going to be out for health and safety protocols from the mystics and yes elena deladon uh, how dare i how dare i bet against her at this point uh we've only seen two games of course but the aces look so dominant in the opening they were number one in the power rankings and yet they lost this one 89 to 76 mystics got it done and Frankly, it didn't look like that all game long, but the Mystics just had such a sick closer on this. So uh, they are the team to beat, it seems, right now. Uh, but again, a couple games into the season. Let's talk about the couple games that are going on Wednesday. 4 p.m. start and a 5 p.m. and a 7 p.m. So let's start with the earlier games, Sparks and Dream. The Sparks are three-point favorites here, total sitting at 161.5. Right off the bat, gut feeling on this one, looking at it before I dove in like the Sparks to cover minus three. The Sparks have covered their two other spreads so far, and they've won their first two games. One was against the uh, Connecticut Sun, I believe, or no, excuse me. 
the Chicago Sky. Yes. So the Chicago Sky, who are the defending champions, they beat them. And then they beat the Indiana Fever, who were the last place team. So I believe essentially they beat the first place team and the last place team so far. Uh, they seem legit from last season. Uh, what's really unfair for the Sparks, unfortunately, is that 10 of their first 14 games are away from home. So they're still on the road here at the Dream. Uh, there's been reports that the team's treating it as a bonding experience. Liz Cambage said she's having a lot of fun getting to know the girls, and I'm sure she's having a lot of fun dominating in the paint. The Sparks have not been able to do that, at least not last season, and they're able to do that now and make it less like they have to be less reliant on their perimeter game as they were last year. I told you last year they loved to throw a ton of threes up, and they didn't always go in, but that was their game plan. And this year they have a better one, Liz Cambage. So able to get in the point restricted area and get those points easily, obviously boards as well. And then on the defensive side of things, even Brittany Sykes has had nine steals over the two games. So the Sparks are looking like a really well-rounded, complete team so far. Their effective field goal percentage through two games, 51.5%. Not too shabby. They're shooting, shooting the heck out of the ball, really. And it's interesting because in their, in their win over the Chicago Sky, the Sky didn't shoot poorly. So... You could point to the Sparks defense and say it didn't do a great job of containing Chicago, um, and that would be a fair statement, but they were able to out-offense them, and so at the end of the day, that's what we got. Now, that, of course, leads to the question, the total's 161.5 for this game, so should we look for an over since the Sparks are lighting it up? Well, they're playing the Dream, who, while they had the best defensive effort, they did play Dallas, keep in mind, Dallas Wings, which were one of the bottom three teams last season. But they had one of the strongest defensive efforts, if not the. They held the Wings to 24.3% shooting, which was 17 of 70, by the way. It was brutal to watch. I liked the Wings in that one, and no, not the case. And that all looks fine and dandy, but the Dream only shot 37.3% themselves, I believe, effective field goal percentage. So this uh, is just not a team that can be strong offensively, and for that reason... I like the Sparks to cover here still. So my initial initial gut feeling as far as who's in, who's out for the Sparks, Katie Lou Samuelson's still out for them. Um, she's going to be a great perimeter shooter when they add her back in the mix. And the dream, it's Tiffany Hayes out, not necessarily a huge line mover. But Sparks minus three, I like here. I also lean under 161 and a half. Uh, and here's why. The Sparks are on their third road game. Atlanta's defense, if it's as legit as it looked against the Wings, which it could, and again, the Wings' similar style of play is the Sparks. Uh, but to to the Sparks' credit, again, they're not really that three-point shooting team that they were last season. They're depending a lot more on Liz, and they absolutely should exploit that. And I told you, the teams at the top of the league have those successful bigs. We're talking about Elena Deladon, Brianna Stewart, Brittany Griner. Where is she? Let's bring her home. Tina Charles, Sylvia Fowles. So... All of these uh, bigs are a critical component of these winning teams. And so I think for that reason, I give the Sparks the edge here. The Dream do have some bigs as well, but I just don't think this is going to be the game for them matchup-wise. I lean under, but I don't want to bet an under on a game where it's basically the highest, most effective shooting team versus the least, because we're not really sure where that's going to land. Um, it could go over. Uh, but I lean, I lean under in this one, hoping that the Dream defense will give the Sparks a little bit of trouble. And more importantly, uh, ATL can't shoot either. So ATL's defense combined with the fact that their offense is not very good and the Sparks are on their third road game. Sparks can shoot really well. So there's that factor. I lean under on that. Probably not something I'm going to take. I like Sparks minus three. That's what I'll be on. 5 p.m. game. Uh, the Liberty and the Sky. Total for this one, 166 and a half, so slightly higher than that last game. And the Sky are favored by four points. So the championship contender, or excuse me, the contending uh, champions here, the Chicago Sky, who are coming off that loss that they are not happy about in overtime to the Sparks. Uh, keep in mind, the Sky are not at full strength right now. They're missing quite a few players uh, and championship team players. Uh, they lost to the Sparks in that overtime game, 98-91. to 91. That was Friday. They had turnover issues for sure, but so did the Sparks. It's interesting because the Sparks are able to create a lot of turnovers, but they also turn over the ball a lot themselves. We saw that in that game, but this guy just turned it over more, unfortunately, and also 
pulled more fouls. So the Sparks were able to shoot a lot of free throws. Uh, like I said, still missing players, but Dana Evans, for that reason, got to kind of shine for the sky. Uh, she had a career high 24 points, 17 of them in the third quarter on seven of eight for shooting. So again, like I said, the Sparks and Sky game, the Sparks didn't do a great job of containing this the Sky's offense, and the Sky's offense looked great. So it's kind of unfortunate that they lost that game because their effective field goal percentage through that game, 56.4%. So just one game in. But they're first. They lead the WNBA in that effective field goal percentage after the opening weekend. Last season, their defense, once Candace Parker rejoined them about halfway through the season, was paramount to their success, especially in the postseason. But they allowed the Sparks to shoot 54.6%. So it seems like it waxes and it wanes, but they definitely need to find that defense again. Uh, the Liberty just beat the Connecticut Sun, who are contenders at the top of everybody's board. Uh, but a team that somehow seems to always find a way to underperform in playoffs. And you know that their MVP, Jonquil Jones, is going to try to right the ship this year. But the Liberty are just as hungry in a lot of ways. Sabrina Ionescu was sidelined with an ankle injury in 2019. She, We haven't got to see her at full strength, and now we finally are. In that game uh, that the Liberty beat the Sun, she had 25 points and six assists in that opener, and she just looked like Oregon Sabrina. She was locked in, and she was not letting them lose that game. Uh, their effective field goal percentage through one game, 55.9%. Again, the Sky was 56.4, so the Sky leading, and the Liberty right behind them in second for effective field goal percentage through the first weekend. Again, both through one game for these teams. One game. But we only have 36 to look at. Uh, here's the way this game is going to look. The Sky love points in the paint. They'll also shoot the three ball. The Liberty love to shoot the three. They don't score points in the paint very well. They're at the bottom of the, of the bottom of the league in attempts even in that area. So the Sky are going to be able to succeed in the paint where the Liberty don't. And we saw that even in the Liberty game versus the Sun. The Sun were taking advantage of that. Unfortunately, the Sun were not shooting well from three. So if the Sky can shoot well from the perimeter as well, then why would they not win this? That's why they're favored here. And both teams are shooting around 37% from three, but the Liberty is shooting more of them. They do. They will put more threes up. Uh, and their threes shooting, frankly, looked really good in their opening game. It looked really, really solid. So I could see this being a close game. It's so tough to say because the Liberty still is coming off of that last year where it was such a figure-it-out year. And we see them turn this corner and have this great first game is it too much confidence to say, yeah, let me take the Liberty plus four here? And also the Sky being, I'm sure, very upset about the way that they lost that last overtime game. Um, the Liberty, however, played better defense in their game versus the Connecticut Sun. They both had worthy opponents here. The Sky played the, the uh, Sparks and the Liberty played the Sun. And the Liberty held the Sun to 45.3% effective field goal percentage. And that was the team that led in a lot of the offensive categories last year. I think the Liberty defense is going to give the Sky a tough time. Uh, even though they are a very different opponent than the Connecticut Sun, I would say the Sky already faced the Sparks, and I would say they are very similar to the Liberty in some ways. Uh, as far as who's in, who's out, Dee Dee Richards out with the hamstring for the Liberty, and Rebecca Allen also out. And for the Sky, I mean, their roster has 11 players, right? But four of them were still out of the country, which drops their roster to seven, which is below the league's required 10 for a game. So they, of course, did the replacement contracts under the emergency hardship exception. And they signed uh, Tina Krasinskit. I'm sure I said that wrong. Anneli Maley and Sparkle Taylor. How fun is that one? Uh, once their players that are overseas return, those contracts will be up. Uh, the players that are overseas, Kalia Copper, finals MVP, currently playing in Spain. Her, Julie Alamond, and Rebecca Gardner will finish their overseas uh, contracts and then are expected to return in mid-May. So that's when you can expect to see them again. But with them missing, that's huge. Also, Allie Quigley. Been limited in practice. Uh, you may remember her as the three-point shooter contest winner, I think, three times now. She said she's going to stop doing it because she wants to probably give somebody else a chance to win this. Uh, she's been limited in practice. They said just not feeling 100%. They said it wasn't anything specific. But the injury report stated that it was a knee that was keeping her out of the opener. She said she expects to be ready by the third game, which is this guy's first road game of the season. That's May 14th against the Minnesota Lynx. But not going to be in this game either. So they were missing Quigley and they're missing Kalia Copper in that loss to the Sparks. And they still, the Sparks had to take it to overtime to get that done. So when this Sky team is full strength again, do not worry. I, do not worry about the Sky. They're just not full strength yet. That said, because they're not full strength, is it fun to take a flyer on the on the surging Liberty, surging it through one game, uh, plus four? I go back and forth with this. I, I feel like the Sky want to come back and, and remind people who they are and win this game handily. 
And I think they have the ability to do so. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I also lean over with this one, 166 and a half. I think that the Sky are missing some of their defensive prowess with those, some of the players that are out. And the Liberty did a solid job against the Sun. If they can do something similar versus the uh, the Sky and kind of clog up the the lane for them and maybe just shoot, force them to outshoot them, basically. Either way, I think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. As I said, these are the two teams that led their effective field goal percentage through their first games. Uh, so I like the over the best in this game, 166.5. And, and I might just take that Liberty Flyer, plus four. Mm. Mm, it goes against. Usually I like to bet on the veterans more so. Uh, but uh, the Liberty are so fun, and I got to miss out on the last time they won. So maybe not this time. 6 p.m. game, Storm, minus four versus the Mercury. It is a rivalry game. Yes, I know we talked about the Storm and Aces rivalry and how fun that is to watch. The Mercury and Storm is the other one that's so fun, especially because you have Diana Taurasi of UConn on one side versus Sue Bird of UConn. Um, and if you saw them do any kind of uh, commentary during the offseason together, that was a ton of fun too. It's going to be fun to watch them go head-to-head -head again. Uh, the Storm looked really outmatched, offensively at least, and on the boards versus the Aces, so that's something they have to address for sure. Brianna Stewart working her way back in out of injury during the postseason last year, um, and obviously their biggest hope in winning these games is Brianna Stewart. The Mercury on the other side, they struggled on defense for sure, which is interesting, right? The Storm were struggling offensively and getting boards. The Mercury struggled on defense. No Brittany Griner, no Brianna Turner, which are their top rim protectors. Plus, Diamond of Shields is gone off to uh, the uh, Diamond of Shields off to where did the Shields go? Well, she's not with them anymore. And Kia Nurse, no option for them either. Um, oh, the Shields is here. She's on this. I was going to say Diamond of Shields is from the Chicago Sky last season and joined the Mercury this season, but is overseas. So is expected to return her and Kia Nurse, uh, excuse me, expecting or Brianna Turner expecting to return. So um, Nurse. Kia Nurse rehabbing a knee injury, suffered during playoffs. So that's where everybody's at. They're just playing shorthanded. They were hurt a lot of last season as well, whether it was Diana or even Skylar Diggins-Smith. But Skylar Diggins-Smith led them in scoring in their last game. Oh, man. I I like over 161. Uh, the Mercury were really allowed the most points by far than any other team, uh, or at least effective opponent effective field goal shooting percentage. I think they allowed a lot of points in their out. Uh, so could see this being very high scoring. I hate betting overs, but over 161 looks good to me. It's a rivalry game. I have to take the points with the Mercury plus four. Um, yeah. They do play again on Saturday as well. So I don't know that I will actually end up playing this game. If I do look to an over, look to taking the points with the Mercury plus four. But I may sit it out because they do play again on Saturday. So I can see how this first one goes and then see how I want to hash things out on Saturday. So that might be the way to play this, honestly, is wait and see. Uh, but hopefully... We'll have lots of good action going on on Wednesday, and you don't have to wait and see that long to see the Los Angeles City cast again. I was trying to do something there. It didn't really work out. Um, the new shows will be on Friday. Remember, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, new shows. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Daniela Avari. Until Friday, I will see you then uh, for another episode of the Los Angeles City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.